Welcome back to the Project 24 Vlogging Podcast. This is episode 176. Well, welcome back to Idaho, a hot day in yeah. Idaho. <laughs> We're getting some unusually warmer weather for this time of year. So, And then just, it's going to drop like 20 degrees right. yeah. <laughs> tomorrow. It's, it's crazy. So if you're in a cool area, just, just enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we've got some great questions from you and the community. And so we'll just get started. The first one is from Mark Draper. And he says, hello, Anna. Hello. I've had a question <laughs> for your consideration to include in the podcast. Link building has been discussed a number of times and was recently featured in the video about a Haro link building service, but always from the point of view of gaining a link. I wonder what the impact of providing a link from your site to another would be. I work with an established website who earns a lot of money for publishing sponsored articles about their niche that contain links to other sites. The money is positive. I'm wondering if there's any negatives. Yeah, the, the, the negative of... Um linking to other websites is if those websites are not a very good resource, then your vote in favor of that website by giving them a link, specifically a standard like do follow link, one that's not tagged as no follow or sponsored or whatever, that that actually speaks to the reputability of your own website. So <laughs> if you're linking out a lot to other people's websites um, because each one of them is paying you some money, then um, chances are what you're linking to is probably not super authoritative. It's people who are using link building as a tactic and paying for it, in fact. Um, which, by the way, paying for links violates Google's mm, guidelines. We'll call them guidelines because they don't make the rules for the internet, right? Right. But their guidelines for, um, for Google search say that you should not be uh, engaging in any sort of link schemes, which include purchasing of links. And in fact, if you're being paid for a link, you should probably technically be using um, the tag, the sponsored tag, rel equals sponsored, which would negate any value from an SEO standpoint anyway. So technically, if you're going to be forthright and say, I'm linking to this content because they paid me, uh, then there's no SEO benefit. So basically, they're paying you to give them a link that doesn't indicate that they paid you, which should only happen organically. So anyway, I'm, I'm opposed to the whole concept of buying links. Um, I regularly link out to other content on the web, but it's content that I view as authoritative. It has some resource that I think would be good for my reader. Um, or if they, uh, they generated some data that I'm quoting, I'll link to them as a source. Those links are organic and those we should be doing. I would rather have Project 24 members connecting with each other when they're in similar niches where there's a little bit of overlap and there's opportunities to link to content that they have um, and to maybe even create content in a collaborative way, guest posts, that kind of stuff. I would love to see that happen um, in a fairly organic way. We have an awesome community for that type of stuff. But using, um, you know, selling links or, or letting people pay you to post guest posts on your site Usually we end up with like really low quality content in those guest posts, stuff that I wouldn't really want on my site anyway. Mm -hmm. And they just want a link. And yes, there's an SEO benefit to the link, but it's not great for you if that content isn't high quality content. Awesome. 
All right, next question from JZ215. And they say, I'm a bit worried that there isn't enough search volume for the area tourism blog I'm doing. It's a bit complicated. I started first post in 2020, paused it because I started a PhD, and that's a killer as well <laughs> as working part-time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, time, yeah, definitely time intensive there. I've just returned to it, and I'm writing one to two posts a week these last few weeks, so it'll probably continue at this level. I write it all, and I take photos, so it's all good quality. I can't imagine outsourcing writing to someone who is not in the area. It's just not easy to get the images and details unless you live there. I have 20 posts, reasonably long. It, I think it's 600 unique visitors a month. I'm not sure if that's the metric you need. Mostly were written early on. A few are not good choices in topic. Um, I'm still learning. The leading post is about moving to the region's city. I have a sub-niche of moving here to try and level seasonal seasonality. I'm not going to give up on the site because it's far too early and I enjoy writing. I do have this gut feeling that's growing based on the some of the older posts here that Jim wrote on an area tourism and traffic that this might be risky volume wise. The question is how do you know when it's going to be too low? 100 posts a year in. Thank you. So this is uh, immediately I would uh, the the feeling that you ex- you described here, uh, how did you describe it? Something about uh, feel a gut feeling. That there might just not be enough volume here. That's kind of just based on the description, kind of what I wonder as well. Um, anytime you're talking about a website uh, based on a specific area um, or region, you really have to think about you know the total volume, and that's going to include people who live there, people who are traveling there, um, and it's possible that if it's a large enough region or a popular enough area, there could be enough volume for a small to mid-sized website. Um, but most likely, you're going to have a, probably a hard time um, getting this to be potentially really, really big. Um, and so I think that that, that feeling that you're having, um, that's probably a fair indicator, especially since you probably know the area pretty well. Um, but that's not to say that it's not going to work. Uh, we've had websites where we have, you know, between 50 and 100 articles and they perform fine. You know, maybe you'll end up with 30,000 page views between 30 and 50,000 page views and maybe it'll be a great passive income niche site. Um, but it, it really is going to be hard to know actually until you write all the articles and just see what sort of search volume they're getting. I would add to that too that... Um just because a niche is small and yeah, we're not going to be able to write 500 articles maybe. Um, and maybe it's not even worth it, right? The search volume just isn't there. Um, sometimes a really focused niche site is the most helpful one that can be created. Good point. Imagine if somebody in your broader region were to make a website about, you know, covering the same topics, but covering a whole country or, or just a big area of a country, right? they're not going to be able to go get the photos everywhere. They're not going to be, they're not going to know or create relationships with the local businesses that provide services to tourists. And so they're not going to be able to make those really helpful recommendations or make those relationships that could turn into an affiliate or a lead generation kind of deal um, to monetize your site. You can do that because you're covering a smaller region. So you can provide people insights that an outsider never could. And so anyway, I I guess for me, what I would, I might do a little bit of actual um, research. You might look in your region, maybe in the city, they do have 
um, sometimes they'll have a department about of tourism um, that that whose goal is to try to attract people. Um, a lot of cities will have that. They'll have somebody, maybe it's even just one person that kind of works in the in the area of uh, of PR, right, of marketing to try to market that city for tourism. Um, and they may have some numbers for you of how many people travel here every year. Uh, what's the seasonality for that look like? How many, you know, how many people are moving here? And then keep in mind that everyone who travels there has is probably going to plan their trip and will probably search not just one thing, but multiple things. And so every one of those people may end up coming to multiple articles on your website. Um, and, and anyway, I, I just find that we often worry that the search volume is going to be high enough. And in the end, it's like, we just need to just make sure that we can get a return on our investment. I wouldn't go trying to write 500 articles and just niching down and answering the tiniest little questions. It's not going to be worth your time. Um, but if you can create some extremely helpful content in 50 articles or 100 articles and create those relationships with those, um, the businesses and helping people find the really, the really neat places to go see, uh, you may be able to make really good income because everybody that books their hotel through your site, everybody that you know makes a, a restaurant reservation because you attract you you sent them to the neat little local place instead of the big restaurant that everybody's heard of, um, they may be willing to kind of cut you in on that deal, give you kind of a commission. So anyway, I just be creative with it. Yeah. Yeah. And you say that your leading post is about moving to the region city. I'm not sure if you um, have written posts that are kind of a broader area. So say maybe the state, the region, right. um, just the area in general. So if you haven't, I would consider that. Um, yep. Of course, there's a possibility that your domain could be particular to that city, but it's not. it's possible to change your domain so you can broaden out um, so it depends on like how big that city is. Yeah. For example, I wouldn't, you know, create a blog all around Twin Falls, Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, if you're from the Northwest, you would know about it. I, I believe the population is getting a little bigger now, like 30,000, I want to say. Maybe. Yeah. But it's a smaller town. I would probably broaden it out to at least like Idaho. Right. There's a lot of interest in moving to Idaho right now, and Boise and Twin Falls. And so, yeah, don't limit yourself to just that. Okay, next question is from Distinct Blogs. And they say, I am a multilingual speaking, um, both Spanish, French, English, and Danish at a native level. Wow, great job. I was wondering if you think it is a good idea to manually translate the English blog site to these languages. What is the best approach to this? To create hosting for two other websites and have three different websites in total or to simply have a switch language button on the English blog. I assume for page views, having more blogs would be better, right? Any thoughts or suggestions would be highly appreciated. So there, there are different ways to do this. Um, here's my biggest concern is that the direction that Google is going, they're plan is to essentially make it so that con content that's written in one language is available to everyone in their language. And so, and yes, Google Translate isn't perfect yet, but it's getting better. And already if I'm using Google Chrome and I go to a website and the page is not in English, 
it'll give me the button at the top to translate yeah. the page. And so it, that's a lot of work, a lot of effort to, um, to essentially uh, repeat something that Google's just going to be doing for you or is maybe even already doing for you. Um, if I were to do this, I would, mm, I'm not sure exactly the best way. There, there are multiple ways. There are plugins you can use that will do the language switch and it, it's all kind of, it's all on the same domain and it, it's essentially you create multiple versions of the page. Um, I haven't used them personally. I've just seen them. Um, another option is to create, is to create different domains, one for each country um, and link between them. So it's like, Hey, you come to this website in English, but you'd rather read it in Spanish because that's your native language. Cool. There's like, um, you know, a, a button to read it in Spanish. You click on it and it takes you over to the, the Spanish website. You could also do it with subdomains. So it's all on the same domain. You own one domain, but one is like, um, you know, if it was on income school, it'd be like incomeschool.com slash, or no, it's actually, it would be like, um, like sp.incomeschool.com. So that'd be like Spanish or en.incomeschool.com. Or actually I think Spanish is ES because it's Espanol, not, mm -hmm. S, not <laughs> SP. But anyway, um, you could do it that way and use a subdomain and then you only need to own one domain. The branding can be all exactly the same. Um, the benefit of doing completely distinct domains is you could do localized domains. So it, you could use a French domain rather than just a straight up .com um, if you wanted to but you might want to keep them all.com anyway, in which case I'd probably do the subdomain route. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm not sure I'd go through the effort. Mm -hmm. It's like a lot of effort. It's going to be a better translation than Google Translate, no question. Yeah. But it's, it's a lot of work to translate all of your content into three or four languages. I would say at least if you're going to do it, maybe go with the route that doesn't take a lot of setup time and effort and then try it with a couple top articles and see if there is some sort of traffic payoff there you know, if it actually, I mean, of course it will add value to those people who come and want to read in a different language, but from the business standpoint, you also, you also want to know if there's going to be an ROI on your investment of time and potentially money. So I would just maybe give it a test um, mm -hmm. with that would probably require the least amount of work possible. Yeah. Um, because like Ricky said, this is something that might just, you know, it might just be done for you very, very well um, in the very near future. And even though you're just translating, it does create extra work maintaining all those different websites. That too. Yeah. You know, Every time you update a blog post, I got to go do it four times. Yeah, oh, looking at the analytics, um, possibly you know keeping plugins running and bugs, all those different websites. Yeah, so that's true. Don't want to get you burnt out on keeping <laughs> track of all that. Yeah. Okay. Next question from Griff. And they say, nice to e-meet everyone. I've just joined Project 24 after being a YouTube follower, and I'm excited to get started. My situation is that I have an existing website I have been building for the last two years. It's in the meditation spiritual niche. I currently have around 140 posts that currently generate 15,000 traffic per month. I've already built a number of info products, meditation courses, and I have recently signed up for a few affiliate deals. I'm having a hard time monetizing the site. I think my main issue is that the traffic I get doesn't have the intent of buying meditation courses as the pages that generate the traffic isn't meditation focused. I would really appreciate some advice on how to approach Project 24 from my position there's tons of content here and it seems a little overwhelming. Also, any other advice 
in general would really be appreciated? All right. Yeah, <laughs> this is a really it's good question. A yeah, it's a really good question. So I guess my first thought kind of where I would start, it sounds like you've identified the first problem here already by yourself. Yeah. Which is that potentially what you're kind of trying to sell to them is not what they want. Um, and that's kind of the first step is, you know, and that's part of the testing process. I don't think you're wrong by trying these affiliate programs. I think that you have to try that. Uh, you have to see what is what something that your audience is actually interested in. Sounds like this isn't it. Um, and so maybe there is an opportunity to try something else. Um, and how I would go about that is exactly how you said. I look at the, you know, the articles that are bringing in or the topics, I should say, that are bringing in the bulk of your traffic. And I would try and find something that is based somewhat around that. Um, probably something that was easy, you know, easy to sell on a website, which would probably be lower dollar amount. Um, or something that is a complete necessity. You know, an information course about meditation, maybe for some people that's a complete necessity, but a lot of times that could be seen as an extra thing. Um, and so in your niche, like I said, I don't, I don't know exactly what that would be, but um, I know a lot of times it will have to be something that people really, really, really want because web traffic is harder to convert. Um, it's hard for someone just to come to your website looking for information and then all of a sudden be ready to purchase something. Right. Cold traffic doesn't usually buy information products yeah. very well. It's, I mean, you can get them to click a link to an affiliate product and oftentimes if the cookie window is long enough and they decide to buy it three days later and you still get the commission, fantastic. Right. Um, yeah, I... I I was thinking along the same lines. There's, uh, first of all, I mean, obviously it'd be great to grow the traffic even more, but um, but also we need to make sure that the traffic that we have, the audience that we have is aligned with what, what we're trying to sell. And so if, mind, if meditation is the thing, right? And, you know, it looks like your website is kind of about mindfulness and, and stuff. And you have content that's around mindfulness, but not not so much with as much of a meditation focus, and that's what drives the mm -hmm. most traffic. Then either we need to create that info product that fits, or we need to reevaluate search analysis and and add some content to the site, or even adjust some of the content on the site so that we're starting to rank for more terms in the meditation space. Um, it's a big enough thing. There are enough people that search it uh, that you know, we should be able to get some traffic there. There's an audience out there, yeah. but you're not attracting that audience yet. And if that's the audience you want, because that's the thing you know and care about, then we need to shift our search analysis along those lines and build up, um, you know, topics, um, categories on your website, clusters of content, you know, quite a bit of content around that space so that we can attract the right people. And then um, if info products is the way you're going to go, I'm going to recommend for sure, um, starting an email list. Mm -hmm. We do have a, really, a basic email marketing course in Project 24. Um, one of these days, I'm going to redo that and build it out because there's, a, I think, a lot more value that we could provide there on email marketing. But I would start collecting emails. Um, you might even take either one of your existing courses or a, a piece of it, maybe one of the resources you have in it, and give that away as a lead magnet. So when people sign up for your newsletter... Um, you can say, hey, and members of my newsletter receive this from me and give it out for free. And that way they can see the value that you're providing. And 
you know, keep a fairly active newsletter at least a couple times a month, um, sending out information that's valuable and not just a repeat of what's on the blog, uh, or rather not just uh, saying, here are the new blog posts I wrote in the last two weeks. Um, but send out a newsletter and keep it active. And then as you have info products and as you have um, even affiliate products to recommend, you can do, um, you can send out emails and do some promotions around those. So uh, there's a good podcast interview um, around this topic. I don't remember the number, but it was with John Ainsworth. You can certainly find it. It wasn't very long ago. Yeah, it was pretty recently. Yeah, and he walks through um, his methodology for selling courses, but we just need to get people regularly interacting with your content um, because most blog traffic is transactional. They do the search, they find the answer to their question in a blog post, and then they leave. Mm -hmm. And they usually don't even remember what website it was on. Um, so we need to convert those people, some of them, into regular um, readers of your content, which will happen more through an email list mm -hmm. than, um, anyway, than through just trying to get a ton of traffic and then sell them an info product. Yeah. One other thing really quick that you mentioned briefly, Ricky, was that um, with 15,000 page views a month, that's a good pl that's a good place to start, I think, totally, doing yeah. affiliate marketing, um, you know, starting an info product there's fine but just remember that you may feel kind of discouraged by your lack of early success but conversion rates are low yeah. on okay. this type of thing and so i mean i've seen a number of websites with you know between the 10 and 15,000 pages a month where we haven't really identified or the owner of the site hadn't identified you know a good affiliate offering or something like that and they were making like five or ten bucks a month with affiliate right and that's just part of the process it's part yeah. of the trial and error process and so it's totally okay um you didn't mention anything here about advertisements at fifteen thousand page views you could definitely add display ads there if you haven't already um with fifteen thousand page views i imagine you could do at least some money there that you could potentially reinvest um, and so there's lots of opportunities here it sounds like you've you know you're on the right track as far as testing um, what you're going to do. And so good luck with all of that. Yeah. Well, just a couple other things to throw out there. If you haven't started ads yet, you know, give that a try. Of course. Um, even if it's a Zoic, um, with the amount of traffic that you have. And then also maybe you haven't considered this, but try some YouTube videos, yeah. make some YouTube videos based around this and not necessarily looking for an audience and putting all of your eggs in that basket, but you can rank, uh, YouTube videos in the SERP, depending on you know what Google thinks is good for right. um, the search term. So just a couple things to throw out there. Yeah. All right. Did you all have anything else? I don't think so. Okay. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Project 24 Blogging Podcast and have a wonderful rest of your day. Project 24 is a product of Income School LLC. Results mentioned are not typical. The trademark Project 24 refers to the goal of some people to create a successful business in 24 months, but is not a promise or guarantee of that success. Many online businesses fail because, like any business, it requires hard work, skill, and dedication. Before making business decisions, consult financial and legal professionals licensed in your jurisdiction. So in short, the only person who can make your business successful is you. We are simply here to provide information to help you along the way.